Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. Today on River City 360, we will tell you all about the fast pitch final that wrapped up on Thursday night. We'll have full coverage from the event, and we'll hear from some of the winners. Then we'll hear from Leslie Weir, Director of Family Philanthropy at the Winnipeg Foundation. She'll tell us all about a series of upcoming informative sessions about how easy it is to make a planned charitable gift. We'll also speak to Greg Unger, a board member of The Wrench. He'll be joining us in studio to tell us about their programs and what Wrench does for the local community. And as always, Noah Ehrenberg will join us in studio to tell us about This Week in Winnipeg through the lens of the Citizen Journalism Project Community News Commons. All this and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Good morning and welcome to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. Nolan... How has your week been? Uh, it's been good. It's been busy, but fun. Uh, we got to go to a couple cool events this week and uh, talk to a couple very interesting people. So I'm excited for this week's show. I think uh, I think our listeners are v- very much going to enjoy it. How about you? How's, how's the week been going? It's been a great week, a busy one, as you mentioned, but we're very excited to talk about Fast Pitch. We'll have coverage yeah. of the showcase the culmination. that happened earlier this week the culmination of three months of a lot of hard work by a lot of people and a lot, a lot of preparation of, and planning a lot of interesting organizations that i learned about that i'm that i'm happy to share with our listeners so uh, i can't wait to get to that it's going to be a good morning here absolutely but before we tell you about fast pitch let's kick things off with a song and i thought seeing as how we're going to be discussing uh, people talking about their organizations here's everybody's talking by acker bilk right here on river city 360 back to River City 360. So Robert, over the past three months, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we've been covering a pretty cool ongoing event uh, called Fast Pitch. It's Fast Pitch Winnipeg, uh, hashtag Fast Pitch WPG. Um, But let's sort of bring our listeners up to speed of what it is and why it's important for those that may be unfamiliar with Fast Pitch. Well, Fast Pitch Winnipeg is actually the first ever event in Winnipeg where 17 
presenters representing the nonprofit sector got together with 30 coaches from the business and professional sectors here in the city to eventually present their three-minute fast pitch to a panel of judges for a chance at over $15,000 in grant money from the Winnipeg Foundation, and also a chance to kind of further develop their message and make their their pitches more succinct and clear and powerful. Cool. Just a different way of telling their story. So Thursday night was the final, which, as we mentioned, was the, th- the culmination of a three months of a lot of hard work, a lot of interesting coaching, and a lot of pitching and, and honing in on that pitch. There were many winners from the night. Uh, everyone who participated, all 17 of the uh, pitchers, were awarded $500 toward their nonprofit. But the big winners were chosen by three special judges, uh, Ace Burpee, Abby Khan, and Lisa Meaches. Before the program began, I spoke with Ace Burpee, and for him, it would all come down to whose pitch was the most clear and concise. He said that regardless of the outcome, every organization will have gained a lot from the experience. I know like the lessons that all these organizations can learn just from even going through the process, whether they're successful or not at the end of the night, that would be just a bonus. And so to learn how to pitch people um, to support your organization is important. So I think they'll take a lot away from this evening, successful or not. I also spoke with Abi Khan, and he mentioned that he'd be looking for confidence, passion, and for organizations to make a clear ask. He told us why he decided to take part in Fast Pitch as a judge. I love the concept of Fast Pitches. Uh, I, I'm a big supporter of the Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Foundation, uh, but I think Fast Pitches are so essential as a businessman, but also in, in the uh, charitable organization, not-for-profits. You have to be able to convey what your organization does in a short period of time to get people hooked. Uh, so I just love the whole concept of Fast Pitching. I love being a judge, and I, I, I think it's uh, really exciting uh, to be involved with this. As a television and film producer, Lisa Meaches makes pitches all the time and knows what makes a great pitch. She told us what ideas that she'd be looking for the presenters to convey in their pitches that evening. I'll be looking for things like uh, how the community will benefit, how their end users will benefit, um, and how, for those of us who are uh, still uneducated about what they provide for the community, how we'll benefit from that. You know, just learning a little bit more about them I think is going to help their cause and case overall. So Robert, both of us watched every single pitch and we've sort of been there from the beginning. Uh, Honestly, I was not envious of the judges that night because all 10 of the finalists had awesome pitches. Like everyone stepped their game up so huge, even from the semifinal and everyone was just on point. Uh, They were really connecting with the audience and, and they were really phenomenal. Essentially, every single story was impactful and interesting to listen to. Uh, there were four winners of the night. There was a first place, second place, third place, and then an audience audience's choice, which was kind of cool. I thought, um, the audience was able to text in their vote uh, after seeing all 10 finalists, and it was actually a pretty close vote. Uh, the People's Choice winner ended up being Carolyn Mount of Arts Junction. They had a fantastic pitch, and it really resonated with the crowd. You could tell she really connected when she was on stage. As for the judges' decision, they they gave first place to Hope McIntyre of Sarasvati Productions. Uh, she was the first person to present on the whole night, so the first out of 10. Uh, so it's a tough position to be in, I thought, but she she really knocked it out of the park. We spoke with Bailey Chisick, associate at Aikens, Macaulay, and Thorvalson, which was one of her two coaches. Bailey told us about the process of working with Hope on her pitch and how they focused in on the core of Sarasvati's mandate. 
the thing that we really focused on was how to make it really clear what they do, what their mandate is, and what the ask is. Because at a very high level, the organization does so many different things. Like they're working in the community to deal with real issues affecting um, communities such as children in foster care, gang involvement, mental illness issues. Uh, and they're working with artists, giving artists that don't always have an opportunity to perform, opportunities to, be, to perform. Um, so they're doing so many different things and they're working in unconventional spaces, unconventional mediums. So it was really hard to get that down. So Hope McIntyre won $7,500 for Sarasvati Productions. Uh, she got first place, obviously, and second place. And $2,500 was given to Anne Lindsay of Light, which is local investment toward employment. And Anne, as some of our listeners may know, is a friend of the show. She's been on the on the River City 360 uh in the past, she had a great pitch, and the judges really liked how Light is sort of coming up with actual solutions to the problems in our city here. And she's, she and her organization are really sort of putting boots on the ground when it comes to helping people find employment in Winnipeg. Uh, third place was Matt Earhart of Kidsport Winnipeg. His pitch really resonated with the judges, and he took home $2,500 for his organization after giving a really brilliant pitch about how Kidsport helps in sort of all facets of a young person's life. I think, you know, the, the long-term benefits of sport are always, you know, front and center. You know, it's not something we think about every day, but it's something that you realize, you know, you get kids involved in sport at a young age, and then they're going to be more engaged, you know, which is part of my pitch, more engaged in the long run too. So it has an impact on society to today because it gets kids, you know, off the street and involved, and it has an impact, you know, for life as well. Now, as we mentioned, every presenter was paired up with at least one coach, typically from the private sector. Coaches ranged from lawyers to teachers to bankers, and each brought something different to the table to help the nonprofits really hone in on what their message was. It sounds like the entire process leading up to the final uh, this past Thursday was probably pretty challenging for everyone involved, especially the presenters, but it really seemed in, in, in talking to people at the event that everyone enjoyed their time and is really pleased that they took part. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone we spoke to was incredibly enthusiastic and, and very impressed about how enjoyable of an event it was. Uh, we got a lot of great reactions on social media. People were really excited about the event. And, the, the event and was trending in Winnipeg. That's pretty cool. It was, yeah. So um, kudos to everyone who participated. You guys did a great job. And congratulations to all of the winners and everyone for taking part. Uh, you can stay tuned to River City 360 in the coming weeks. Uh, we're going to have more footage from the Fast Pitch from the fast pitch final and interviews with the winners where we're going to ask them how, how the money is going to be spent in their organization and just what their plans are moving forward. Coming up after the break, we'll hear from Leslie Weir, Director of Family Philanthropy at the Winnipeg Foundation. She'll tell us all about how you can learn more about making a planned charitable gift. But first, here's Petula Clark with A Sign of the Times right here on RC360. It's
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert continue, continuing to be with you here this morning. And we're now joined in studio by a very special guest. We have Leslie Weir. She's the director of Ph- Family Philanthropy at the Winnipeg Foundation. Leslie, thank for your, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Nolan. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, so first question, what exactly is family philanthropy? I, I understand what philanthropy is, but what's the family uh, moniker in front of it there? Well, it is, um, it's really a kind of broad term that takes in um, individuals and families who are looking at philanthropy together or, um, or as couples, um, really um, distinguished by uh, personal giving plans um, and uh, how those can take shape both during your lifetime and through special gifts in your will or estate plan. I imagine people probably want to leave a legacy behind a lot when they're thinking about sort of planning their estates and planning what to do with, with what they've accumulated throughout their lives. So how do you help people decide what to do when, when it comes to that situation? Exactly. Um, we um, One certainty in life is that you can't take with you what you've accumulated. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, uh, as people are thinking about um, what meaning their life has had and things that they'd like to leave behind to make the world uh, or their community a better place, um, they think about um, community organizations perhaps that they've supported during their lifetime um, and, uh, and continuing uh, that support through a gift in their will or perhaps doing something special um, because there's uh, perhaps more financial capacity uh, through their wills uh, that they wouldn't be able to do during their lifetime. So what kind of questions do you deal with on a day-to-day basis when someone calls you and and just is kind of inquiring as to what they're they're able to do? Mm -hmm. uh, What kind of questions do you answer and, and how do you answer them? Um, well, what we try to uh, convey is that um, walking amongst us are many, many everyday philanthropists. That um, the um, to leave a legacy is uh, is not um, something that only the wealthy do. Uh, that uh, any one of us, uh, that every gift makes a difference, um, and that what is important is uh, is that you uh, think about um, something that's meaningful to you and then uh, and then we can help sort of shape the arrangements for that we often have folks who are looking for um, simple uh, suggested will wording to pass along to their um, their lawyers or or um, financial advisors. Um, sometimes they're wanting to support more than one organization, which of course the foundation can can facilitate and that um, simplifies the arrangements for their executors. So the foundation kind of has the ability and the contacts to figure out any, any decision you want to make and any group that you want to support. The foundation can kind of be the facilitator of that, basically? That's right, Nolan. Um, The foundation can grant to any registered Canadian charity, um, and it's simply a conversation with with each of uh, the people who are calling um, to uh, help them um, express what's important to them. Um, And uh, uh, sometimes people know exactly what that is, um, and, and others just simply want to leave discretion to the foundation, knowing that our community's needs and the opportunities that come up um, change from one decade to the next. So if someone calls you up and and they know that they want to help in education or in healthcare or in mental health or whatever, you'll be able to find the proper channels to kind of 
make their wishes that's you know, right a reality. so um so what we try to do is tailor their their giving plans and that may be building up a um, a family fund or an individual fund over a period of time that someday will also receive a bequest um, from from their estate um, or it may mean a significant gift during their lifetime um, and to see their gifts in in action and cool that's that's probably a good feeling knowing that uh, everything that you've sort of built up throughout your life is going to be taken care of after you're after you're gone that's right and you know often people are um are um really want their executors um role to be um well-defined and um for their wishes to be uh relatively easy easily taken care of um so um one of the the roles that we're happy to play is to um is to play a part in um in that and facilitating their charitable gifts um, and distributing them in whatever in whatever way suits the donor. So you mentioned the word bequest earlier. Um, I understand that there's a few different events coming up called Bequest 101. So just to give, give me the elevator pitch of what is Bequest 101? Well, Bequest 101 is sort of a natural follow-up conversation. We have a number of people who join us at Will Week sessions every year to look at their uh, their wills, um, what they need to know, healthcare directives, and so on. Um, Bequest 101 is uh, is a, a session that we offer in um, in May and June um, that simply invites people who are considering some kind of charitable uh, provision in their estate plan a place to hear some basic information, to feel free to ask questions, um, to hear how other people are uh, are thinking about these things and hear their questions, um, and sometimes interesting stories along the way. Um, and uh, so there's certainly no obligation that the foundation right. factor into their plans at all. It's simply uh, a service uh, to people who are thinking of benefiting the community through their estate plans. And when is Bequest 101 taking place? Bequest 101, our first session is going to be on um, May the 18th at 5.30 p.m., about 5.30 to 7.30. May 26th and June 2nd, uh, the sessions will be at 2 p.m., and they'll all be located here at the Foundation's office in the Richardson Building. Um, There will be more information in in, uh, the Foundation's Add in the Canadian Association of Gift Planners Leave a Legacy insert, which will appear in the Saturday paper in early May. Um, and of course, you can always uh, just call the, the foundation um, to find out details, of course. All right, and that, their phone number is 204 944 9474 if you want any more information. Thank you very much for uh, talking to us. Appreciate it. Thank uh, you very much, Nolan. It was a pleasure speaking with you this morning. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up after the break, Greg Unger from The Wrench will join us to talk about how it's helping educate Winnipegers about cycling as a means of transportation in our city. But first, here's Peter Appleyard with Avalon right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you, and we are now joined by Greg Unger. He is a board member at The Wrench, which is the Winnipeg Repair Education and Cycling Hub. Greg, thank you so much for joining us this morning. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So first of all, tell us a little bit about The Wrench and kind of what the organization does in general. Okay, well, The Wrench was founded in 2010. Uh, It stands for Winnipeg Repair Education and Cycling Hub. Um, And yeah, it was it was founded with the idea of creating stronger, healthier communities um, through um, teaching bicycle maintenance and repair, uh, primarily focusing on youth, but there's also an element of that that's available to the public. Very cool. And what are some of the programs that the wrench has involving schools? One of the one of the bigger ones that we run is is called in the Earn a Bike program, and it's an eight week course where individuals can come in. Um, like the wrench is set up as a classroom, so individuals can come in, and um, the instructors will go through all the parts of basic bike maintenance, like hubs, tires, and basically they'll walk you through the process of building a bike from parts. Uh, and then after the eight week, eighth, pardon me, after the eight weeks are up, you've uh, you've built yourself a bicycle. Very cool. So anyone can drop in if they are interested in learning how to build a bike and basically build their own bicycle uh yeah well you do need to register for the earn a bike class okay. uh but there is an open shop every thursday it's uh running from noon to 6 p.m and uh that's that's welcome for uh to everyone people can drop in uh there's also workshops every sunday or sorry sorry saturday um once a month uh but there's also yeah, there's more youth programming as well. The the wrench partners with uh, schools um, to run uh, cl- um, workshops at the schools' locations. The wrench uh, does an after-school leaders program, so so youth from various schools can come down to the wrench. A lot of these classes are yeah. You, I mean, you can register for earn a bike, but there there there's other classes where you know. You have to be a youth. And I'm sure it's it's got to be very rewarding for young people to have kind of a, a hobby that gives them skills that can last them a lifetime, right? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, the After School Leaders Program has, has a really high return rate of, of young people who come through the program and really enjoy it and they want to come back for, for more. It, it shows that bicycles are fun, that learning how to build your own bicycle is, yeah, as you said, a very rewarding experience. So if I say I have a bike of my own, unfortunately I don't at the moment, but if I have a bike and say the brakes are gone and I take it to the wrench, can I get it fixed? Well, the wrench would actually encourage you to do the work yourself. Okay. So you can go down to the wrench, as I said, uh, on their open days, um, which is... Thursday, noon to six. And yeah, uh, once a stand becomes available, uh, you'll be offered to set, set up your bike in the stand and then some volunteers or staff will come around and they'll, they'll assist you. It's not like we throw you into the deep end of the pool and expect you to swim. Yeah. You know, if you don't know how to fix a bike, uh, a volunteer will happily walk you through the process. Why did you personally decide to get involved with the wrench and uh, be a member of its board? Well, actually, I've been volunteering at another community bike shop in town called the Orioles Bike Cage. We're going to be having a bazaar, by the way, on April 30th in collaboration with The Wrench. You should come down to Orioles Park. But anyways, I've been volunteering there um, since about 2000, 
2010, 2011, roughly around the time the wrench was formed. And I've, yeah, I've been with that place since more or less since it started. And I got to witness the, the chaotic mayhem that is a community bike shop, and I really got to enjoy it. And then actually one day, uh, my bike broke down, and we didn't have any decent bikes at Oriel's Bike Cage, so I went over to the wrench to see if they had anything. But I didn't happen to have any money for a donation, so uh, the executive director at the time, Pat, he said, well, I'll give you this frame, but you have to pay for it by joining the board. So they roped me in pretty sneaky, but it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. And um, what what has been some of the response from different people who have either built their own bikes or um, who've gained the skills to fix their own bikes, um, people who help out and volunteer. What's kind of been the general response from people? Oh, it's the, the community atmosphere is amazing. Uh, volunteers love it. Uh, the, recently, one of our volunteers, Paul Peltier, was nominated for a Volunteer Manitoba Award, and I believe he, he, he in fact, won it. Uh, we, we seem to attract, like, dedicated, excited volunteers from all walks of life. Like, Paul is a retired uh, postal worker, for instance. Um, there's people who come from all neighborhoods of the city to come volunteer, and, I don't know, there's always kids running around the shop... There's always, uh, like, food, snacks on the table. Clients can, you know, sit down and chat. And there's a, room, a waiting room with a coffee pot. And it's really about the community atmosphere during Open Shop, for sure. And how can people get involved if they want to volunteer or take part in some of the different things that The Wrench offers? Uh, well, you should, uh, you should go to therench.ca. And there, there should be a section on the website entitled How to Volunteer. And uh, there's plenty of opportunities to, to both learn how to fix a bike, or if you already know how to learn uh, fix a bike, there's plenty of opportunities to share that knowledge. For instance, you could get involved with some of these earlier programming that I was talking about, like the Earn a Bike or the After School Leaders programs, or uh, we do pop-up shops all summer long and we need volunteers to run those. Uh, yeah, there's a volunteer orientation that's held, I think, once a month. Um, and so you'd be walked th or you'd be shown through the wrench and you'd be told what all the various opportunities for, for volunteering are. There's things like sorting parts. There's, you know, greeting clients as they come in on open shop days. There's, yeah, driving the big cargo bike with its pop-up stand to, you know, Spence Neighborhood Association's um, park. You know, there's all kinds of fun things that happen throughout summer and, and in winter as well. Very, very cool. Greg, thank you again so much for coming in and telling us about The Wrench today. Ah, oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Robert. Coming up after the break, Noah Ehrenberg will join us in studio to talk about just a few of the great articles posted on Community News Commons this week. But first, here's Ed Bickert with Sunday Kinda Love right here on RC360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning, and we are now joined in studio by friend of the show, Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons. Noah, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here. How's your week gone so far? Excellent. Good to hear. Busy? Very busy. Lots yes. of lots of things being uh, posted of, on CNC. A lot of citizen journalists are um, are uh, contributing content to communitynewscommons.org, which is the citizen journalism project that uh, is sponsored by the Winnipeg Foundation so in partnership with CGNU. There's a whole bunch of different citizen reporters of all ages, of all scopes, uh, and I understand some some youth are now getting involved in writing their stories. Tell yeah, us tell us about that. For sure, uh, community news commons is for young and old. Uh, it's for everyone, really, and. Um, uh, this uh, week, or in the next couple of weeks, we're uh, we're profiling some uh, youth in philanthropy uh, participants. Yep. Uh, yes. Yippers. Yep. Now, of course, uh, Yip for our uh, listeners, if they're not familiar with it, is a program that is run by the Winnipeg Foundation that really provides the opportunity for young people uh, at various places, where they're you know in schools mainly, to uh, you know have a committee, a Yip committee, and they go and visit different charities and different agencies around Winnipeg to find out what some of the needs are uh, and then they get some money that they can decide who to grant this to right so it's a great way for youth to learn about philanthropy and about um, some of the different agencies and charities in town that uh, do a lot of good work so are the yippers then writing stories about these agencies or what, what are the stories that are getting posted well they're writing stories about their site visits okay. and about the decisions that they made uh, as to who they wanted to grant uh, the money to nice. so for example uh, there's a group from the University of Winnipeg Collegiate uh, and these uh, students visited clinic which is a local health clinic here in Winnipeg and they you know they're they're impressed with the passion that people at clinic um, talk about when it comes to say the dream catchers program which is the women transitioning from the sex trade mm. and they're they've just been they found it very empowering to hear uh, people talk about some of the work that they do or for example ERCOM mm. oh, yeah. uh, that is the immigrant and refugee organization of Manitoba has a yip committee and they went to visit uh, Wolseley family place and there they were com- uh, very inspired by the dedication and the staff of the staff at Wolseley family place when it comes to helping single mums uh, on an uh, everyday basis. It's cool to see the youth get involved. It's probably kids that, you know, are willing to help our community out but don't really understand how they can or don't think that they can. So, yep, sounds like a pretty cool program to get them on board with uh, with creating a sense of community. Indeed. It's terrifically empowering, and it really is the future of philanthropy when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, literally, literally it is. Mm-hmm. So what else is uh, being posted on CNC this well, week? You know, one of the more interesting um, stories that um, uh, has been uh, come, uh, has come across our uh, desk recently, of course, is the uh, question of uh, physician-assisted dying. Um, oh. and, uh, yeah, you know, well, the first one in Manitoba just happened earlier this week, I think, right? Exactly. And um, there is a local doctor, his name is Harvey Max Chachinoff, who is uh, well positioned to uh, write about this. And he's been writing about uh, a few issues with regards to this whole uh, process. And um, uh, Dr. Chachinoff, is a, he's a distinguished pers- uh, professor of psychiatry at the University of Manitoba. Hmm. And uh, he's the Canada Research Chair in Palliative Care and uh, director of the Manitoba Palliative Care Research. So he knows a lot about getting old and about palliative care and about this whole um, question of how will the government uh, design a law. And, um, you know, he talks about different things in terms of speaking for those who can't is one article that Hmm. is up on our site right now. He he talks about uh, some of the... um, uh, different um, hospitals and healthcare agencies across the country 
and whether or not they're actually prepared or to, equipped to, to, to yeah, deal with that. equipped to make this happen. Right. And so that's an issue that um, that he thinks that the government really needs to look at before mm -hmm. they come out with this directive. You know, uh, let's make this happen. We need to have the ability to make it happen. The other interesting thing is, you know, he has an article recently on Community News Commons about assisted suicide for those with mental illness and that being a very risky right. proposition uh, you know just because of the fact that um, you have to be uh, you know according to what the uh, according to what the um, uh, Supreme Court of Canada said is that you know you have to be of, of a sound mind, mind right uh, and, and the the other article this week that I really enjoyed or at least I thought was very impressive was about the advanced directives for assisted dying and he what says, does that mean exactly? well that, that that you that in the event that I get Alzheimer's in the oh. event that I get dementia so in advance you can say you can say well oh. then, then I want physician assisted suicide because I won't be of sound mind and he says that's a a very dangerous step because of the fact that research shows that people aren't very good at predicting what they would want and what they might right. need and feel in circumstances that they haven't yet confronted. So the farther removed those circumstances are from today's reality, the more difficult it is to imagine the response that you're going to have. So he's, and, and he does make the point that the Supreme Court of Canada did not uh, recommend that uh, that the Canadian government look at that, right. uh, but the committee that is looking at it uh, has floated that idea of um, of advanced directives for assisted dying. Far too often, this this issue gets boiled down to pro or against, and, yes. it, and it's so much more complicated than that, obviously, Absolutely. and it's good to have someone, a professional's opinion, a doctor, a psychiatrist, who yes. understands the the intricacies and the delicacies of such a crazy and, Absolutely. and, and muddy situation to go through. Exactly, especially in palliative care, you know, like, I right. mean, there is a real lack of uh, um, phys uh, physicians who is specialize in palliative right. care, and uh, that is something that... Um, you know, Dr. Chashnoff really, um, I mean, that's his specialty. So right. uh, he's it writing. It sounds like very interesting articles. So oh, uh, yes. visit communitynewscommons.org and you can read, I think that was three articles from the from the good doctor. Yes, indeed. Great. Yeah, and, and coming up uh, in the days ahead, uh, the public safety building, that old uh, place where the cops oh, used yeah, to yeah. Uh, hang out. Another, uh, maybe not as divisive <laughs> discussion right. to have, but still pretty. But this week, the city hall is going to decide whether to knock it down or save this, uh, what some people consider an architectural gem others consider an eyesore and uh, Shirley Kowalczyk uh, one of my favorite citizen journalists is going to have a story about that oh great can't wait to read that one mm -hmm. as well uh, so every week we like to have you on the show to discuss some local music for our listeners who may not have heard something or we can showcase something some of our homegrown Manitoba talent so what have you brought for us this week well this week I like to feature James Culleton and now I know James Culleton because he's an acclaimed visual artist but I didn't realize that he's a singer songwriter and um, he just released his album yesterday called Vanished Days and this is a sort of a series of songs that focus on family and farming in North Dakota and he recorded it at the Exchange District Studios with Sean Dealey um, which kind of grew out of a residency that Culleton was invited to um, by the Museum of Art of North Dakota and mm. um, this summer he plans to uh, have a future release and art exhibit in Grand Forks so we can look for that and we can look for some of his videos too that are, have been helped uh, he's been helped out by uh, local videographer photographer Leif Norman and oh, puppeteer yeah. uh, Curtis Weeb so um, James Culleton he's um, you know he's got an album it's called cool. Vanished Days and from that album I'd like to play this track called Dear Marjorie on River City 360, CGNU 93.7 FM. 
Dear Marjorie, this is the time of year when I start counting the days until you arrive. I don't feel alive. Life is not the same when you're away. This is the time of year when I start counting the days until you arrive. I don't feel alive, you know, life is not the same when you're away. That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you very much for listening, and a huge thank you to all of our guests and all of everyone who partook in Fast Pitch on Thursday. If you want to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit us online at rivercity360.org. That's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with Community News Commons and CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd absolutely love to hear your feedback about the program, about our coverage of Fast Pitch. Were you at the event? Who were you cheering on? What was your impression of the overall event? Please give us a call. We would love to hear from you. Our listener line is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Leave us a comment about the show. You can also request a song, or if you have a topic for a future show that you'd like to suggest, let us know. So call in to our listener line and leave a message. That's 204-944-9474, extension 360. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to contact us there, you can go on Twitter and search at RiverCity360 or just search RiverCity360 on Facebook. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week at 8.15 Sunday morning. Have a great Sunday. Dear Marjorie, I cannot tell you how grateful that I